0: NHRL Studios in Norwalk, Connecticut. This is Behind the Bots, the podcast that brings you the stories of the builders behind the bots. I'm Chris. I'm Luke. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Kyle. And today on the podcast, our interview with Banshee Captain David Small.
1: We'll wrap up the show with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. If you like our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play. Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Castbox Player, FM, and Podbean. You can follow us on Facebook at Behind the Bots and tell a friend. We really appreciate your support.
2: Time for this week's Combat Robotics News. I have three news items for you today. First up, catch live robot combat this weekend in Minnesota, Tennessee, Nevada, Pennsylvania, and Texas. This is one of the biggest fight weekends of the year, so let me try and do this from West Coast to East Coast. In Las Vegas, they're fighting ferryweights, antweights, beetleweights, and one-pound battleboats this Saturday. Yes, that's right. They are fighting aquatic combat robots in a 5x3 aluminum tub with six inches of water. In Texas, they're fighting 50 ferryweights, antweights, and beetleweights outside the Electronic Parts Outlet in Houston this Saturday. In Minnesota, the Dollar Hobbies Combat Robot Club is holding a meetup this Thursday night at their store in Woodbury and will be fighting fairyweights and antweights. In Pennsylvania, S.W.O.R.D. is putting on their fall brawl in Williamsport with fairyweights and antweights. Last but certainly not least, the biggest event of the week is without a doubt, Botteroo 2022. 68 fairyweights, antweights, and beetleweights will be fighting in a three-day tournament in Chapel Hill, Tennessee about an hour south of Nashville. Check out details about all of these events on RobotCombatEvents.com. Next up, an evolving story out of Texas this week. Innovation First International, makers of Vex Robotics and Hexbug, is under fire after former employees claimed that the work culture at the company is toxic and sexual harassment is common. As a result, a number of first robotics teams that purchase parts from IFI say they're cutting ties with the company. It's still unclear if Batabots will respond. The company has partnered with Vex and Hexbug for years on its line of toys, widely available in Target and online. And finally, NHRL crowned its last three Golden Dumpster winners of the year this past weekend. In the Beatles, it was Team WPI team member Ian McInerney and his three-pounder Fully Defined that went undefeated, ending the tournament with a perfect 7-0 record. In the 12s, it was Chris Rummel and his dominant four-wheel drive, Vert Yabnal, And in the 30s, it was Matt Boris and Emulsifier. Matt joined us on the podcast last week, so go back and check out that episode if you haven't done so already. All eyes turn now to the 2022 NHRL World Championship, which will be held December 17th in Norwalk, Connecticut. There's still time to buy tickets, so join us live if you can. I want to pause here. Uh, We spent a very long day, uh, obviously this past Saturday. A delightful day uh, at, at, uh, at NHRL. Uh, standout bots, standout fights, standout moments uh, for you.
3: Maybe Kyle, do you want to start us off? Uh, yes. Standout bots from this event, by, sh- by far, Chainsaw Kitty. Uh, the rookie in the three-pound division had a great run, destroyed the lighting in one of the boxes, um performed way better than I think the driver thought that they would and was just absolutely delighted to pick up some fans by the end of the day really fun to see them go on uh, go and have a good run um and then for me personally I got to drive two robots kind of and I won both fights
2: what wait I know about the one fight where you uh
3: where you drove Stag Beetlebot and did fantastic what what was the second time The other time, it was Deep Melt. What? That is correct. Uh, The Elder Casmer came up and handed me the controller, and he said, do you want to show the audience that this is truly autonomous? Would you like to drive this fight? All you have to do is flip this switch here, and then just leave it on the table. So when the countdown happened, I flipped the switch. Deep Melt fought all by itself. When the countdown happened at the end, I turned it off. And I won the fight by judge's decision.
2: I am so bummed that I missed every single deep melt fight. I wasn't able to call a single one of them just by, I don't know, the schedule and how the bracket shook out. Um, I'm still going to go back and watch the stream, so I'll know myself when I watch it. But
3: how did how did the bot do? It did really well, uh, especially after, because I, I got to interview the Chasmers. Uh They barely have any programming in on that thing. They don't have wall detection in on that thing right now basically if something moves it attacks it and they have another uh mode where if something moves it runs away from it um so they can kind of switch between the two but if you just let it go it's going to attack anything that moves and that seems to be the most effective method to have it right now um it did okay i i think it it, you know it made it into the elimination round and i think to round went to like round six or seven it did okay did good wow um but yeah, he's got a lot of work to do on it for sure.
2: It, it's it's like such a cool bot idea, you know, a fully autonomous melty brain. Um, I mean, I think just in that genre, melty brain, ring spinner, shell spinner, autonomous is really cool. Just because it takes a little bit less skill, you know, to make contact. It's not as if you have to point your robot toward a specific, you know, side of your opponent. Um, every time they, they make contact, they're doing damage. Um, Yep. I love this concept. I cannot wait to, to see it in, uh, in, in the
3: replay. One of the things that I was, was told was that the reason they have to do that is because um, right now they're translating so quickly that if you push too hard on the stick or if you go too fast, you're actually just going to slam into the wall. And so what they're doing is they're programming AI assisted moves into the regular um, project liftoff. And they're using this other platform, this deep melt platform to kind of figure out what those moves are. So they'll have like, you know, uh, basically a macro switch on the side of the controller where it's like, hey, hook around to the left and attack them on the side. Hey, hook around to the right and attack them on that side, like that kind of thing. Um, And that's much easier to do with automation than rather, you know, a human operator where you could get a little bit too excited and slam the bot into the wall just by pushing it too hard. Awesome.
2: Chris, Lindsay, your thoughts on this weekend?
1: I just want to add one thing about uh, the melty brains that we've been seeing uh, with the success of you know the liftoff bots and now um, also the greatest danger. When we came home uh, yesterday and uh, we were talking to Chris's dad who watched the stream, he was like, "Those round spinny bots—that's the way to go. That's that's the winning design right there." But I think if you were to look at the stream a year ago, two years ago, you would have a very different. Uh, feeling watching Melty Brains. I just think that they've come so far and how, you know, controllable they are, maneuverable they are, destructive. Um it's really cool to see. And I think like the Casmer's are really kind of at the forefront of a lot of that development. So um they may look like maybe, you know, it's it's like the best option now, but it's only because of how much work has been put into really fine-tuning it. Uh, but for me, I guess, um, uh, when I was over announcing on the titanium stream, I had the absolute pleasure of seeing Warhard versus Spartan. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, I knew that that was going to be an explosive match, but I don't think I had any, uh, preparation for what I was about to see there. Um, Warhard completely just a uh, split Spartans carbon fiber chassis completely in half. Um, there was just, you know, a, a large piece of the of the bot uh, hanging out in one corner It also took down one of the lights in the arena. I mean, Warhard was looking so menacing. Um, I know that Johnny, you know, was really hoping to qualify for December, um, but unfortunately, you know, ended up with a, a one and two showing. Um, but given the the strength of the competitors and just the sheer number of competitors this time around, there's there's really no shame in that. Um, but man, if you haven't seen it, I definitely recommend going back and watching Warhard and Spartan over on the Titanium stream. And I would not be surprised if that one has turned into, you know, a more digestible YouTube clip because it was a, it was a really fun one to watch.
0: I think I have a few um, standout bots that I mean, I always love watching Clyde. I love those the that yeah. the, the the wide um uh chassis bots uh that can maneuver really well uh either have you know somewhat of a controlled vert or or even fire that's just so cool to corral and burn um uh speaking of burn, I think it's pretty wild that we finally got to see uh Austin McCord's pet project flame out, which is a uh, you know a diesel uh, thrust uh, uh, afterburner uh, that can essentially uh, spin at it was it was one hundred and ten thousand RPMs. The uh, the air that comes out of that weapon, I saw it with my own eyes. Uh, it's hot enough to remelt asphalt, uh, and I saw it while they were testing it up uh, outside. And 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 when I when I heard that, even outside and like. There's like construction workers walking, working across the street, like doing road construction and they are like putting on their safety equipment <laughs> just because this bot is like spinning up in the, in the NHRL parking lot. Uh, it was, it was pretty wild to see. Uh, it was fun to tell everyone that they have to put their fingers in the ears or else their eardrums are going to blow out. I love that kind of, uh, you know, um scenario where you can actually see right in front of your face like hey these are some this is some crazy new ideas that we're throwing out here and it's just the tip of the iceberg of like what we could do in the sport and that's pretty cool
2: it was such a dominant robot like i loved the uh the, the jet robot flame out um i and i didn't know this i learned something um that the jet like got so hot that it burned all of the oxygen in the arena and then experienced this just massive fireball at the end um once it had you know consumed all all of the oxygen in the box. um it was just a really, really cool like science experiment that we got to see live, um which was just amazing. It was also super effective. I can imagine you know putting on a much larger tank of fuel turning into a walker or something else like that and just, just dominating like that. It was such, such a cool experiment. Um, so yeah, a lot of really great things to check out. If you haven't already, um, check out the stream and, uh, we're going to have a new episode of this is Habit coming out, um, pretty soon, uh, where we follow both the Casmers and their m- many melty brains and, um, the, uh, see Tamara and Ashley from Milk Tank. So yeah, very, very cool things on the horizon there. And that is it for this week's news. After the break, our interview with David Small.
0: This week on the podcast, we have a very special returning guest, Banshee Captain David Small. David got his start in combat robotics in 2001 as an eight-year-old building robots with his dad, Kelly. Later, he got back into combat robotics in 2016 and has since competed at NHRL with his bots Kelpie and Son of Cram. And on BattleBots as a pit crew member on Malice. But this year, he sat out on his own and built his own heavyweight, a flipper called Banshee named after the supernatural beings from Irish and Scottish folklore whose haunting screams warn that death will soon befall you. Luke wrote that. I think it's a little bit more complex. <laughs> you know, I, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more. But anyway, we're looking forward to learning about Banshee in the hour ahead. And welcome back to the show,
4: David. Hello. Hey, it's great to be back. Miss this place.
0: I, um, I, I'm just going to share a brief anecdote uh, of our time in Las Vegas uh, before we uh, get further introductions and, and get to listener questions, of which there are a lot, uh, we are, uh, Lindsay and I are seated at Pub 365. This is towards the the latter end of the filming of the, uh, I think, the regular season. And I remember, um, so we have a a, a close friend, a, a, a confidant in bot reporting. He goes by the name Yavon. <laughs> uh, Yavon and my And my wife Lindsay suggest that, oh hey, show, uh, show David your kelpie tattoo. So I yelled across Pub three sixty five. I went, hey David, and you picked your head up, and uh, I gave you like a nod, like I wanted, I wanted to talk to you, and you took your legs and you pushed off of something. And you, you did not slide from like one table away. I kid you not out there. David slid a perfect (laughs) slide, like 20 feet on a chair and just, just totally eased right up to the table before coming to a gentle stop and then put both of his hands behind his head. Like, yo, what's up?
4: Hoops to summon the mighty one.
0: <laughs> I had never been so impressed and just jealous of swagger in my entire life. And I was worried that my life, my wife was going to leave me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs>
4: it's okay. I'd never do that to you. All
0: right, that's good to know. Um, so let's, let's start, David. I want you to introduce yourself. You're, um, you know, you're a software engineer from Arizona, but what's, what on earth does a software engineer from Arizona who likes Scottish folklore like how does this happen
4: <laughs> that's a, a great question um you know i guess i can say hi i'm david david small specifically i know there's a lot of davids in this sport <laughs> but uh yeah i i guess it all started back in 1999 when my dad brought this uh vhs tape into the room and said hey this is called battle bots you like robots and of course you know i was only uh seven or so and I kind of grew obsessed with it. I watched that VHS tape over and over and over again, rewinding, fast forwarding, skipping fights. I didn't like obsessing over fights that I loved. Um, I really loved uh, Vlad the Impaler and Mm. Biohazard. Those were two of my favorites. And then anything Donald Hudson or Christian Kahlberg made, I was also a huge fan of. Um, But after that, uh, we found Bot Bash, which was a event run by the Pitzer brothers in Arizona. Uh so my dad, you know, always being supportive of my hobbies and what I love, uh, said, Hey, you know, we can work on a uh it was actually a 13-pounder back then, uh 13-pound bot. And uh we can we can go fight real robots like on that show. And I was of course ecstatic about it. We go to the event, uh, you know, Cram Cram, which is uh where I get son of Cram from because I am the son of my father, so son of Cram Aww. is the son of Cram. <laughs> So uh, we fought Cram. I think it went like 0-2, maybe 1-2. I don't remember. Um, but that wasn't the point. The point was I got to meet some of my heroes, like Christian Kalberg and uh, the Builder Voltark. I forget his name, but he was important also. And uh, <laughs> I, I got to watch some of these robots that I've seen on TV in person and talk with the Builders, and it just blew my mind as you know a small 8-year-old child. So we've been hooked on it ever since i was um I was a forty year old child when I finally got to
0: experience that only uh only a month ago
4: I don't think that takes away from the magic so
0: yeah, well no the magic is it's dead inside me now I'm just a part of out it like it was all it was just wonderful um and it almost uh you know uh liquefied some of that inner uh mystery that I have um but no that's that's so cool to um to have you know such an early segue in into the sport uh you um uh you know you had a uh you know a parental figure that was like engaged and and had you uh you know um kind of throw yourself into it and that's just that's so awesome to hear yeah thank you so can you tell me why you were wearing a kilt and carrying a sword of battle bots this year
4: uh because I knew no one could stop me <laughs>
0: uh there can be only one i'm told that is true. so uh tell us tell us about um how you got into uh you know i Lindsay and i we are we are huge uh, huge fans of the scottish culture and uh of scottish lore but how does a a software engineer from arizona kind of stumble into that
4: um i blame metal music mostly
0: cool me too (laughs) Uh,
4: a lot like I'm, i'm a huge fan of folk metal And a lot of the bands I listen to come from Scotland or uh, have Celtic instruments or Celtic folklore in their theming. So when I hear about cool legends and creatures that they talk about in their music, that makes me want to look more into the culture itself. And uh, I just think it's all really cool. I'm certainly not a, you know, a scholar by no means. I just uh, I just think it's neat.
0: Uh, All right. Who would straight up win in a fight? A unicorn or a Kelpie?
4: Uh, Kelpie, easy.
0: How? How? how wait, how, easy? <laughs> easy? I don't know about that. What? What's your logic grounded in?
4: So, <laughs> uh, unicorns are, I think, way too friendly. Sure, you know, if they know they're they're about to get into a fight, they might get defensive. But the Kelpie's just not going to hesitate. You're done.
0: Well, the unicorn has a built-in weapon, David. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? This we'll we'll have to submit our formal, um, you know, our 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 formal cases in in writing, and we'll let the fans decide.
4: Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll make a two page presentation, two page uh, essay about my views and reasonings, and uh, oh yeah, I'll get back to you on that. All right, I will too. Double space, triple spaced. <laughs> uh, double space is fine with me.
0: All right. So let's um let's talk about Banshee. Can you? Can you uh, can you give us the 10,000 foot? Tell us a little bit about the bot, how it works. And, you know, just kind of describe the technical details for someone who maybe hasn't seen it yet.
4: Okay, if I had to get really technical, I'd say Kelpie, but big.
0: That's that is that that is actually that is very, very, (laughs) very accurate. (laughs) Yep.
4: It's a AR500 welded frame. Which is a a first for me, actually, because I've never had welding in any of my robots before. But as uh, a lot of other builders are discovering, it's a nice, cheap way to build a heavyweight that's fairly durable. So we've got an AR500 chassis. It is all pneumatic for its weapon. So no, no fancy hydraulics, unfortunately, like Hydra. It is pure air powered for the flipping weapon. And it's got a pretty sizable amount of drive. It runs on 16S, which comes out to like 60 ish volts, which is just under the legal limit without having to provide more documentation for BattleBots. So well, it's uh definitely got some drive to her. She screams.
0: I think yeah. Once you once you go over like sixteen you're you're pretty much in the C4 uh, territory <laughs> as far as like how dangerous it is to put it into a combat robotics scenario. But that's pretty cool. Um any uh any other details that you wanna perhaps share about I don't know let's say the accompanying uh, style guide and uh, costume formula.
4: (laughs) So I have a coworker of mine who works for the same game company I do. Um, His name's Ian. And I messaged him and said, Hey, you know, I'm making this fighting robot for TV. Do you want to make a character for it? And he's like, heck yeah. So he designed the Banshee art that you see on the robot itself. So the cool face and the glowing ghastly tendrils on the sides and all that. And, it, I think it looks fantastic, honestly, but partially biased because it's my own robot. But I think Ian killed it with that job. <laughs> I really appreciated
0: the uh, the level of detail and artwork that was incorporated in some of the bots this 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 year. I mean, I mean, spo- okay, spoiler alert: uh, some of the paint jobs are cool um, on the robot. Sorry, if uh, I violated my NDA.
1: But I think Banshee really stood out amongst all of them.
4: Yeah, yeah. Cause I mean we're here to put on a show, and you know it's fun to uh go out you know with this style and you know I'm sure you saw my the goofy character I kind of made for <laughs> Battlebots, and you know its it's it's just a lot of fun where we can we can be goofy and wacky while being entertaining and you know it just adds a little more spice to just uh robot hit robot you know
1: yeah i think uh Audience viewers will be uh will really kind of fall in love with the bot, not just through the bot itself, but also like your tunnel entrances were very thought out <laughs> and very theatrical. Um, I won't say any more, but uh, yeah, they. I mean, I I feel like that contributes to like the whole the whole picture, you know, the whole pack.
4: Yeah, exactly. And any excuse I get to wear my kilt and leather armor, I'm not going to pass <laughs> it up. So.
1: so I know that they had
0: to put. Um, they had to put Banshee in, in, you know, the test box before every fight. Would you have to step into the test box with your, with the sword that you were carrying around, you know, just for a, a, a weapon safety check before they'd let you into the arena?
4: <laughs> yeah, they had me, they had me spin in a circle with it. <laughs> <That's> and then <laughs> they told me to, uh, you know, stop moving my legs and then power down, but I kept <laughs> moving. So we had to recalibrate my arms so that I wouldn't keep swinging when I didn't want to, because that's obviously, you know, a safety hazard to everyone around me
0: i I found it really inappropriate that every time Banshee won a match uh, that you lopped off the head of your opponent.
4: <laughs> and, I mean, uh, that's just tradition. So if you have a problem with that, you have a problem with the culture, and you know that's not cool.
0: Ah, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so perhaps to learn a little bit more about Banshee, we will learn a little bit more about Kelpie. So we're going to start with our first listener question uh, from Tony. to I'm er, sorry, Toby Hillenberger. Uh, who asks, where did you get the inspiration for your bot design?
4: Ooh, that's tough. Um, just kidding. It's not that tough. I really loved uh, <laughs> building. I, I really admired flippers. Like like I said earlier, I was a huge fan of Vlad the Impaler and Biohazard. And I really found the ground game of BattleBots fascinating. Because um, back then, you know, it was kind of a new thing. But this whole concept of, oh, that robot got under that robot and that is the whole reason it won, you know, is kind of kind of cool to me. Uh, So that made me decide I want to make a flipper for my first robot, which was actually a spring flipper named Torsion, which I don't talk about a lot because it was very bad. But eventually I graduated from spring flippers to electric flippers. And then from electric flippers, I really wanted to make a pneumatic flipper. And at the time, I didn't have a lot of money to do a big robot. So I was thinking, okay, what if we could do CO2 in a beetle weight? And it actually ended up being pretty expensive still, but it was fun to take a weapon type that is not really in the meta, not very competitive and pretty basically non-existent in smaller weight classes and just do it anyway. And it's just fun. So <laughs> that's kind of the main driving force is, uh, I like flippers and it's fun to do something different. So that's how Kelpie was born, basically. I have
0: another question here from Matt Lantry, who runs the Beetleweight four bar lifter uh, bot Fallout at NHRL. And Matt wants to know why did you decide to make a three pound pneumatic flipper bot? Did you ever consider another uh, type of three pound flipper, like a flywheel?
4: Um, I considered it, but I think pneumatics are neat and I think. One of the few advantages flippers have over vertical spinners is the lack of gyro. So once you add a flywheel spinner, you kind of bring that gyro element back. And at that point, you're just kind of a worse vert with none of the abilities or advantages. So I kind of steer clear of uh, flywheel flippers for that reason. Worst
0: vert would actually be a great name for a bot. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I have another question here from Nick Grumsky, who uh, runs Saber and Waddles at NHRL. And Nick wants to know what advice would you give to builders creating their first flipper?
4: Don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, the real advice would be ignore what everyone else says. Cause you're going to get bombarded with, you know, if it was a vert, you'd win more or you'd have more fun, blah, 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 uh, build what you want. Um, and then some actual technical advice would be to make sure that what you're building is durable And has killer drive, because I think drive is what really matters when you're making a a control bot, because obviously you want to be able to control. Um, So play to your advantages of having a tankier chassis with more armor and a stronger drive and then make your weapon as light as possible so that you can have plenty of room for those two things.
0: Mm. This will probably let you drill down a little bit further into this. This is, you know, another question here from Aiden. What is your recommended flipper archetype for each of the weight classes?
4: Uh, Let's see. I guess for a fairy weight up to a beetle, I'd say keep it simple and just make it electric. Use servos and stuff like that. Um, But pneumatics actually get better the bigger the robot is. So you definitely will have an easier time trying to do pneumatics in like a 30 or a lightweight or a middleweight or a heavyweight than you would with a, a 12 or lower. Uh 12 pounder is kind of in that gray area. Mm. It gets to the point where cartridges, like CO2 cartridges, are gonna be too big or too expensive. So you want to look into high pressure air. But you can definitely make either type probably work with a twelve if you try hard enough.
0: This is uh this this next question, it looks like it's also part uh part compliment. Very nice. All right. Jason Holloway uh goes to ask. How did you know when you made your Foxit catalog series that you would inspire a whole team of insect builders that was lost until you made it? (laughs)
4: Uh, Can't say I had any idea that was happening, but that's great to hear. Thank you for the compliment. Um, I mean, the whole point of making that tutorial series, shameless plug on my YouTube channel, Team Small Robots, uh, was to help these new builders along with kind of stepping up to the next level of actually making something on the computer instead of just, you know, making a crude drawing and trying to fit everything you can. But I think once you get a hold of something like Fusion 360 or SolidWorks or whatever your CAD choice is, it really opens up, I guess, a gateway to a whole entire tier of uh, bot level that you can achieve. So I thought it was important to make a combat robot specific tutorial so that beginners could uh, jump right in as soon as they get interested in the hobby.
0: Yeah, we, we always talk about the funnel of like uh, of of supplementary content for for bot builders. And it's like how um, there's a lot more content for folks that are actually kind of more closely, you know, uh, aligned with the bottom of the funnel, like people that have a lot of technical expertise and there's not enough at the top that really kind of gets people, you know, just in the door and building their first bot and, you know, learning to have fun with it and be creative. Because um, right now it's like there's about the same amount of both types of, of content when you, we need like 10 times more of the of the more introductory stuff. Um, maybe that's not even enough. You know, it should be uh in every direction that you look, if, as soon as like, you, you, start, you enter the two keywords, combat robotics. Oh, yeah, totally. All right. Uh, I've, I have a, a bunch of beverage related questions here from NHRL community dir- uh, director Gil Ahova, uh, who has a so- soda stream at home and has uh, a bunch of soda stream related questions. The first How effective would a, a stock soda stream CO2 <laughs> canister be in a 12 or 30 pound bot? Would, having it, uh, would, ha- would it have enough power to flip? And could it flip effectively multiple times during a fight?
4: Let's see. So I'm not super familiar with SodaStream. So depending on the size, uh, trying to remember off the top of my head.
0: My guess is it's probably like a seven ounce canister.
1: I can Google it.
4: Um, But like with with Kelpie, for example, that used two 32 gram cartridges. So 64 grams total, which is not a lot. So what you could do is whatever volume that is, if you find that running full pressure with no regulator, so just pure liquid CO2 at 800 PSI does not give you enough flips, you can add a regulator. You can definitely fit a regulator um, in a 12-pounder. I'd recommend Palmer Pursuits Rock Regulator Series. Those are very lightweight. And you can take your 800 PSI down to 200 PSI or whatever and get a lot more flips the same amount of gas that way they're just not as strong
0: i've I've been learning a little bit about uh gas uh pressurization and everything for some of the flamethrower bot you know parts that I've been trying to prototype and it's there's so many there's so many x factors with with gas whether it's something combustible or something like just c o two um where you know everything down to the temperature of the gas and everything plays into its it, it's uh you know it's it's effectiveness, and you know that's um that's something that must be really challenging when you're getting into using gas uh as part of a, a flipping mechanism because like we've seen so many bots in the past, it's like you know a builder knows I can fire this thing twelve times, I can fire this thing twenty times, and that's that's it, and if there's going to be diminishing returns and is there any way uh that Gill can use part of his soda machine more effectively
4: use it to make soda? <laughs> there you
0: go. Bill <laughs> goes on to ask weight concerns aside, how many soda stream canisters would <laughs> I need to flip a heavyweight bot? I use my soda stream a lot. So this will give me a good point of reference. <laughs>
4: uh, again, I don't know the, the volume, so that makes it tricky, but if it is indeed CO2, you've got 800 PSI right there. So as long as you have enough to, uh, you know, fill one, rams worth of volume uh that's all you need
0: uh technically one um can of soda stream co2 on probably like a a lever that was about a quarter mile long a heavyweight box (laughs) all right uh we're gonna we're gonna move on from our SodaStream segment. Thank you to <laughs> our new sponsor, SodaStream. SodaStream, uh, make your own di- disgusting soda concoctions <laughs> at home uh, that are not nearly as good as Pepsi. Gil's gonna fight you. All right. Anyway, uh, questions about Banshee from uh, Michael Wy- uh, Wise writes: I love getting to meet you and, uh, and and getting a photo. I was wondering what powers your flipper. Uh, and any advice for someone starting to get into combat robotics uh, building?
4: All right. Um, so, Banshee's RAM um, at full power exerts 18,000 pounds of force, which is a lot. But if you are a beginner to combat robots and you want to get started, I'd recommend this cool Foxic catalog tutorial by Team Small Robots. You should check them out. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty great video. Changed my life. (laughs) Um, But I'd say definitely keep it simple for your first robot. If you do like flippers or lifters, you can make a pretty cool um, electric lifter with Fingertech's 9-volt servo. Mm. That's if you want to do an ant weight. If you want to do a beetle, you can probably find a nice beefier servo on like Amazon or some RC website. And then learn... Some basic uh, torque and lever math so that, you know, you're able to lift three pounds on the scoop just to be safe. Make it like six pounds on the scoop and then uh, you'll be golden. I have a set of three questions
0: here uh, about Banshee from BattleBot super fan Alexander Archer. Alex's first question is, what made you decide to split off from Malice and Captain Your Own Bot?
4: Oh, OK, um, so first of all, there's no Malice between us. No pun intended.
2: Um.
4: <laughs> I really like fighting robots and it's something that consumes my life. So just being a team member isn't enough to satisfy me, if that makes sense. Like I want to be able to do your blood
0: thirst your bloodthirst is just too high.
4: Yeah, exactly. I want to uh, I want to do my own thing with my own robot and do things my way, I guess. So that's kind of the main reason.
0: Alex's second question. How is Banshee different than uh, past pneumatic flippers like Bronco and Sub-Zero?
4: I think Banshee's a lot more tanky and compact than both of those robots, especially Bronco. Um, this thing's like, if you imagine Bronco's size and then Jackpot next to it, and I use Jackpot as an example because we CAD together a lot and he helped me design some of the welded elements of Banshee. But Jackpot's like, I don't know, half the size of Bronco, <laughs> something like that. And then Banshee's just a little smidge bigger than Jackpot. Right. So it's a very dense, compact and durable flipper.
0: Yeah. Bronco is like it yeah. was like the the hot air balloon of of pneumatic flippers. If you think about it.
4: Yeah.
0: All right. Uh, Alex's last question. Did you test Banshee to see how much weight it could flip and how high it could flip prior to arri- arriving at Vegas?
4: Oh, prior? No. <laughs> Banshee was constructed in only like two months and its first test of flipping 250 pounds was its first fight.
0: Wow. Wow. I love it. (laughs) That's how it's done, ladies and gentlemen. All right, I have a few questions here from Steve Dufort. Steve asks, uh, were you the David that got demoted to Dave last year? And how much did that impact your decision to leave Malice?
4: (laughs) Okay. well, upon leaving Team Malice, I had to sign a very lengthy NDA. So that is all classified. Sorry.
0: NDA as in not David anymore? Sometimes I impress myself. <laughs> how did your past team experiences prepare you to be a team captain
4: this year? So, being on Malice was super helpful because I got to learn, you know, at a more deep level about how BattleBots itself works compared to other events. So, things I need to be prepared for, things that I know will happen, um You know, Bunny would message us and say, hey, we need all this information about you. You need to sign these forms. Uh, And then watching all the work she had to put in into merch, into getting the robots ready. And then all all that stayed in the back of my head. And I said, "Okay, when I start this project, I need to remember there's a lot of work to be done here. And this is what I need to focus on.
0: I'm going to I'm just going to kind of modify our next question here from Pat uh, Maloney, who, um, you know, wants to ask what it's like bringing away and starting your own team. And, you know, I'm just going to kind of, you know, paraphrase here the next part, but what's it like, you know, going back into, uh, you know, BattleBots, knowing that you might face your former team?
4: The, the option of knowing that you're going to fight your former team is always something lingering in the back of your mind because that's something BattleBots likes to do for drama and stuff like that. So while designing Banshee, there was always thoughts in my head like, oh, what if we fight Malice? You know, Mm. so we did bring a super beefy plow just in case. And uh, it's not like, oh, no, I have to fight my old team. It's because, you know, they're my friends. And if I fight them, then I get to fight my friends and we both get to have fun, you know. So it's not like it's not like uh, I feel bad or feel scared or anything like that. Mm. That makes sense.
0: I have a question here from Andrew Freetag who wants to
4: know what was
0: the greatest challenge uh, that you experienced scaling up from Kelpie to Banshee?
4: Um, Honestly, it was only financially difficult. Um, (laughs) pneumatics get easier, the bigger the weight class. Oh
0: yeah. So
4: instead of, you know, I'd, I'd find a, a valve for, for, for Kelpie and it's like, Oh man, this thing weighs a third of a pound. That's insane. But then with Banshee, It's like, hey, this valve weighs a third of a pound. That's great. (laughs) So just you're you're using very similarly sized parts in both robots. Um, I mean, obviously not the same exact parts, but it it just gets so much easier the bigger you go to find parts that fit.
0: I also I had a very similar question from Kyle Cuffrey, who, you know, uh, first uh, starts by um, saying, you know, Kelpie is a real innovation in its weight class. Uh the thought and design that went into it is amazing. Kyle then goes on to ask what have you done to bring that level of innovation to v- banshee I think that you've been you know um you know really uh uh thorough with with that but Kyle goes on to write p s love the naming convention and i'll 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 keep this going so uh banshee also a irish scottish kind of um um you know, mythological uh uh wraith, I guess you would you would call her. Um yeah. what is so if uh, if a Kelpie is like a three pound and a Banshee is two hundred and fifty pound, like what what's the uh what's the five thousand pound uh you know family robot in this weird motley crew?
4: Um it's gotta be Nessie.
2: Oh <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah.
0: Okay. <laughs> And when you said that, my dog, Nessie, her, her, (laughs) uh, Um, much, much like the, uh, the beast that dwells within Loch Ness. Um, she, uh, she's often very dormant and uh, (laughs) she she just, she comes up to eat enormous meals, uh, twice a day (laughs) and then disappears into the shadows.
4: How mysterious. Yeah. Nessie was actually a name I used for a plastic ant in like, 2017 or something like that, but it only went to one event. So I've been thinking about repurposing the name for a 30 pounder, which might exist at Norwalk in the near future, but
1: what?
4: (laughs) And it may or may not have a similar mouth art style to the flipper arm. Love it. Uh,
0: All right. I'm going to hand you over uh, to Lindsay, who has uh, a myriad more of, of fan questions. Awesome. Thanks, David. Thank you. Cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, there are lots of questions, so let's get to it. Uh, Harvard. No, I'm sorry, I can't read. Harvard from the NHL <laughs> Discord has a David-related question.
4: Ah, I Did know this. Did you
1: bring any more Davids with you to the new team, or are you the sole David this time after your experience on Malice?
4: I am the sole David. Bunny has a very large claim over most of the Davids in this hobby. So it's very difficult to get one.
1: It would be funny if uh you your entire team was just other people named Bunny.
4: <laughs> <laughs> That'd be the way to do it.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Something to think about uh, next year. Um, all right. So a, a related question from Phil Luchford. Dave, how did you meet and recruit each team member who I have to say? um. The other teammates in your team were just as theatrical during your uh, entrance uh, walkouts, and it was really delightful.
4: They were <laughs> all great. Thank you. I'll, I'll be sure to pass that on to them. So the first member I had to get for Banshee, his name is Kevin Lilly. He's a Arizona local. He lives down in Tucson. Um, if you're familiar with Robo Games, he has Tastes Like Burning, which is a grabber flamethrower. Which is Ooh. incredible, um, one of my favorite lightweight robots for sure. Um, but since I started Arizona Robotic Combat and made my club, uh, I met Kevin with his beetleweight little Ragnarok, and Aww. knowing knowing that he was such an experienced bigger uh, builder and has had experience working on bigger robots and knew how to weld, he was obvious uh obvious he was an obvious choice for the team so. At one of the ARC events, I came up to him and said, hey, Kevin, I'm thinking about building a heavyweight. Would you be interested in helping out, maybe doing the welding for it? And he agreed and he, and he knocked it out of the park with the welding. So that was Kevin. Uh, at the same event, I also met Caleb Heck. Um, he is a student at ASU. He is not as experienced, but he's very passionate. He teaches combat robots at his club, which is uh, Combat Ready Robotics at ASU, I believe. Um, so he's had experience with uh, finding funding for his club and getting sponsorships. And I figured he'd have some skills like that that would help with Banshee's uh, behind-the-scenes work. And then it's, it's always good to have somebody who's passionate about what they do on the team. So he was a no-brainer also. I'm going to say everyone was a no-brainer pretty much. I love my team. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we had uh, Gus, Gus Collier, who lives in the U.K., Um, He is a Vesk wizard. The speed controllers that Banshee uses for drive would be paperweights without the magic he breathed into them to make it the speed demon we all know and love. He's also a machinist, so he machined the the giant rams that Banshee uses. So, you know, that's a great uh, feat that he was able to contribute. And then we have Jenny, which is our literal Banshee. She made her awesome Banshee costume. It lights up. She's got the cool makeup. She's got her ghostly cape. <laughs> and it really adds that, you know, an even bigger layer of flair to the uh, showmanship we like to put on.
1: Yeah. Jenny, Jenny really was uh, 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 an awesome Banshee, a human embodiment of uh, <laughs> of Banshee.
4: Basically. <laughs> Not to mention all the work she did with uh, the art, the painting. Um, she she taught me a lot of magic you can do with decal placement and the vinyl wrapping that uh, I definitely would have messed up on. So luckily we had her for that.
1: So, all right, this is a, a question that I have because one of my jobs on Copperhead was to repaint it after each match. Ah. Um, because, you know, when we take... Uh, some hits, whatever the paint would get scuffed. So I'd repaint it. Um, If like the vinyl wrapping gets cut or takes a hit, like, I don't know if you experienced this at all, but is it hard to replace or touch up or.
4: Um, So what Jenny would do is if it was a small piece of damage to the sticker, uh, she could just, she could just paint over it Ah. and she would mix colors to try to match what was on the vinyl the best way she could. And a lot of it, you can't even tell.
1: Yeah.
4: It just looks like uh, either, either like, oh, that, that's just uh, a different reflection of the light, or, or you just think that's all original sticker. So, but I met her through, I met her through, uh, through RoboGames in 2017, back in the day. And I uh, was like, yeah, I need, uh, I need all the help I could get. You seem like you know what you're doing with your art. You've built featherweights and other big robots before. So I'd be glad to have you aboard. And then Gus, I met through, uh, the internet, basically we run a meme page together and, uh, <laughs> what better way to bond than that? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so Bloodsport team member, Seth Schaefer has a potentially, uh, NDA breaking question. So answer Uh-oh. carefully, <laughs> um, how high can banshee flip a two hundred and fifty pound robot, and do you intend to improve it for next year?
4: It flips one banshee flip unit high, and yes, you always want to improve no matter how great it is or how bad it is. It's always great to uh refactor what you can and make it do even better next time
1: I would say uh what what would you uh what are your priorities to work on but I don't know that could that could get potentially n d a breaking so I'll just yeah uh, we'll
4: skip on that leave it
1: there (laughs) Uh,
4: I can say working on the robot itself uh was kind of a pain so making it easier to work on I had some screws that were almost impossible to get to stuff like that
1: um I remember like two three years ago at this point when we interviewed oh my goodness what was his name he was the captain of the rookie bot daisy cutter um I don't know if you remember Daisy Cutter.
4: I I do remember Daisy Cutter. I don't know the guy's name I though.
1: Forget it. I forget his name. He was really great, actually. And he there was a lot of interesting technology in the bot that you know we didn't really get to see on the show. But he had something like three hundred bolts that like screwed the top plate on, <laughs> and so he'd have to like to service the bot at all, he would have to remove every single one. And he was like, yeah, that was the biggest thing I learned was like, don't do that.
4: (laughs) (laughs) So actually with Banshee, we have, I think, only four or five bolts on each panel and there's four panels. So if you only need to remove one panel to do something, that's just four or five bolts and then you're done.
1: Nice. See, that's that's thinking ahead. Um, I'm trying to find his name just so that I don't uh, disgrace him. Um, And. My internet is not working. Bob Girardi. Bob Girardi, if you're out there, uh, come back. Well, I don't know. I don't know if you can come back because um, he did break his NDA. So anyway, moving on. Uh, huge Captain Jonathan Schultz has two BattleBots related questions. The first, did you find it rewarding to bring a lesser seen robot type to BattleBots?
4: Yes, I did. It's... uh. It's always a challenge to bring something that isn't part of the meta. And when you have something that isn't part of the meta and it, I guess I can't say if it does or doesn't do well, but if it did happen to do well, that's always fun. And if it doesn't, well, you tried and it's always uh, exciting to challenge yourself with these things.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, his second question is, what do you think BattleBots could do to encourage people to build more things like flippers, hammers or anti-meta designs? Rather than just chasing the meta,
4: that's really tough because they're probably going to have to add some rule that if you're not if you're not a spinner, you get like a weight bonus or something like that. Because spinning a chunk of metal is definitely the best way to do things, and I don't see a way that's going to change in the near future unless someone comes up with something crazy really fast. So I have to say, weight bonus.
1: Um. So speaking of Going meta or not going meta. Um, 40 ounce from the NHRL Discord wants to know if you had to give Banshee a different weapon type, what would you choose?
4: Ooh. I'd probably make King Cram and make a giant drum spinner.
1: Ooh. Alright, I like that. I like that. Um, there's actually there's only a handful of drums left, I would say. uh um, we were Chad uh on Copperhead and the rest of the team are kind of thinking about you know which which drums are are left in the competition it's really only a handful
4: yeah i guess you got copper minotaur and that's all that comes to my mind immediately there might be more but
1: I i think that was it yeah um so shift cat drill has a hypothetical for you now this is an extremely unlikely scenario at this point but if bronco returned as an exhibition bot if not a registered competitor would you have wanted Blip, Banshee, and Hydra to be in a rumble with it?
4: Oh, absolutely.
1: Damn, I would like to see that very much.
4: The flipper rumble. Yeah, that'd be insane.
1: I don't know. Have we ever seen a flipper rumble? Like, ever?
4: I don't think we have.
1: <gasps>
4: Get Greg on the phone. All right. Greg!
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. We've, we've got to make that happen at some point. I agree. Um, <laughs> So um, we have a question here from Mario Cast, speaking of hypotheticals. Uh, let's see uh, Banshee versus blip versus Hydra were to happen. Uh, what do you think would be the outcome besides a lot of flipping going on?
4: Um, a lot of neck exercise from everyone in the audience.)
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs> I, I think that would be a ton of fun get to see who the King of Flippers is and really see each flipper going against each other and compare the strength of each flipper one after the other, after the other sounds like a ton of fun.
1: Yeah. I'm like really into this idea now. I hope that we see it at some point. Um, what is Banshee's strategy against other flippers?
4: So I think it's all about ground game and maneuverability. So if we're going against someone like Hydra that likes to uh, sit, and spin, We'd do our best to put our 60-volt drive to the test and drive circles around them until we can find an opening. Blip is pretty zippy also, though, so we'd probably have to make sure we're maneuverable as possible and uh, try to compete with their ground game the best we can.
1: All right, so we have um, a question here from Starchild team member Tony D'Ambrosio, who runs Blackbird NHRL. Um, And he asks, Dave, thank you for keeping the pneumatic flipper alive. Flying the flag and proving that there's still a place for this type of bot in the heavyweight division. Uh his question is, would you be open to battle bots having a highest flip exhibition next year uh with the you know the big three, Blip, Banshee and Hydra, to see who can finally hit the ceiling?
4: Ooh, absolutely. And thank you, Tony, for the compliment. Yeah, that would definitely be fun. I'd uh take Banshee home and do everything I can to make sure she's flipping as powerful as possible for that. <laughs>
1: have to flip a lot of uh, washing machines in the parking lot to. uh
4: (laughs) Yeah, we were actually uh, keeping an eye out for any large appliance on the side of the road um, during the final stages of Banshee's build. But once it got to the point where we realized we're not going to be able to fire this thing until we're at BattleBots, we kind of lost motivation to do that. But now that the robot's done and it exists, uh, definitely wouldn't mind going to my local Goodwill or side of the road and seeing what I could find for a fun test video.
1: Nice. Yeah, totally do that. Um, I guess like a related question I have to that is, was it nerve wracking at all to not have been able to like fully test that flipper ahead of filming?
4: Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> when, uh, you know, we got, we got into the box and I just thought to myself, okay, well, it's been hydrostatic tested, so we know it's not going to be a bomb. So that's good. Plus, it's inside the battle box, so that's going to keep everyone safe. (laughs) So then it was just a question of, all right, let's hit the button and see how high our opponent goes.
1: All right. So Ian from Team Rosetti's Replicas wants to know, did you consider putting an Aztec Death Whistle on your bot?
4: Uh, We did. And actually, the very first group chat I made for the Banshee team was a guy blowing an Aztec Death Whistle. (laughs) It's just uh it, it was something we absolutely wanted to do, and I probably even mentioned it in the in the bots application <laughs> video or um but it's it's we ran out of time and we weren't able to do it, but if we do get to come back next year, it's a thousand percent going to be there, or at least attempted.
1: Yes, yes, give the people what they want. <laughs> Um, Christine Giver, who runs the really excellent BattleBots interview show Outside the Box on YouTube, wants to know Since we have seen a chair fight, can we possibly see a sword fight involving Banshee in the future?
4: Uh, definitely. Banshee is not afraid to go into battle with just a sword. <laughs> I know there are other sword wielders at BattleBots. And if you hear this, I am calling you to battle henceforth. Bring your might and we shall meet in the arena for glorious combat.
1: David, have you considered a line of work in voice acting?
4: (laughs) I think that would be a ton of fun. But (laughs) I'll stick with uh, typing funny words into computers for now.
1: Um. All right, so 40 ounce from the NHRL discord is back and he wants to know, what is your opinion on the other flipper types in the field? All right, let's start some beef.
4: Ooh, well, I already, you know, talked a little bit of crap about the flywheel flipper, about <laughs> how they give away our one advantage over verts. Um, We've got the hydraulics. Jake, you're trying too hard. Calm down. <laughs> What else is there? Electric flippers. You're not trying enough. Try harder. Ouch. <laughs> and uh, I think that's about it, right?
1: Yeah. Love it.
4: Spring flippers. Spring flippers are cool. I made one of these. <laughs> <laughs> they can see Everyone else they can has hang been out.
1: put on notice. <laughs> uh, what is the one robot that you want to fight the most, either at three pounds or 250?
4: Ooh. Um, I'm going to pick 250. And that would be either Blip or Hydra.
1: Ooh, nice.
4: I love me a good flipper on flipper fight.
1: All right, so Toby Himmelberger has a good hypothetical. We're really into the hypotheticals tonight. I'm into it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) If you could drive any other BattleBot, classic or modern, in an exhibition match, which would it be and who would you want to fight?
4: Ooh, what's the fastest robot on the field right now? Is it either Hypershock or maybe Mad Catter?
1: Uh, yeah, my guess would be hypershock, but
4: or claw viper, maybe.
1: Oh, claw viper.
4: Um, I want to I want to drive whichever robot is the fastest and I want to fight whoever's the second fastest <laughs> <laughs> and just have a Zoomy boy match and really have a good driver on driver competition
1: that that would be really fun. All right. Um. right. OK, so we have now come to the portion of the interview where we have stuck all of the weird questions uh, and you have attracted <laughs> quite a few.
4: <laughs> oh boy.
1: Um, and we're starting it off uh, by none other than Trayton captain Brad Hanstead, who has a good Thanos related question. Um, I-, I guess you could call it a good Thanos related question. <laughs> he always does. <laughs> um, I don't understand it. So hopefully you do. Uh, what type of weenioli would, Thanos
4: eat. Ooh, good question, Radical Bradical. That would be <laughs> something homemade with love.
1: Aw. All right.
4: And not any kind of financial stability. I have whatsoever.
1: I have so many questions.
4: If you're feeling like being a little more creative than usual in your culinary activities, Google weenioles and make some for dinner.
1: All right, I'm, uh, I'm going to make a note of that right now. Everybody listening, uh, please Google that. All right, so speaking of Triton, Triton team member Shay Waffles Johns wants to know, what is the best kind of bad movie?
4: <laughs> good question. So Shay and I watch a lot of bad movies together, and I think the best ones are the ones where you can get a very good group of friends and a very large amount of alcohol (laughs) and have a very good time laughing at the very stupid thing you're watching.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That sounds fun. Um, If Banshee were to be in a classic horror movie, who would play her?
4: This is tough. I'm not super good with uh, actors and actresses.
1: I don't think anybody could do better than Jenny. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah, this is where Jenny can vote. get her uh, career started as an actress. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, go get him, Jenny. You're an actress now. Go do it.
1: <laughs> Don't forget us when you when you make it big. Yeah. Um, another movie-related question from Bloodsport team member Curtis Honeycutt. Ooh, this is a good one. If Banshee were in a Nicolas Cage movie, which one, <laughs> one would it be?
4: <laughs> huh.
1: Suddenly I'm blanking on any <laughs> yeah, I'm just
4: remember forgetting every single Nicholas Cage movie. There's Ghost Rider.
1: Ooh,
4: Banshee's a ghost.
1: Yeah,
4: I'm gonna go with that because I the only <laughs> only other movie I can think of is National Treasure, and I don't see Banshee wanting to steal the Declaration of Independence. So
1: yeah, no, I think I think uh, Ghost Rider is much more her speed.
4: Yeah, um, she, she likes fire too.
1: Yeah. Okay, so here's another uh, weird one. Uh, From Toby Himmelberger, does Banshee have a theme song and why is it Smash Mouth's (laughs) All-Star?
4: Banshee actually does have several theme songs. Um, I made a playlist of Banshee-related music. So there's, uh, okay, so The Banshee by Enforcer, Cry of a Banshee by Black Briar, and then uh, the Cry of the Banshee by uh, Brookha's Helm. Those are definitely some Banshee songs. And then we also threw in some folk metal into the playlist, like Rebellion by Grave Digger, um, Battle Metal by Teresas, She-Wolf by Megadeth, Nightcrawler by Judas Priest. You know, your, your essentials. Oh, also, Skiltron has a song called Bagpipes of War. That's a great Celtic wow. battle song. They have a bagpipe solo in the middle of it.
1: You should uh, send us the Spotify link and we can include it in our show notes. Oh, totally. Cool. Uh, so Alex Pick, who competes on Northeastern University's combat robotics team, go Huskies, go Northeastern. Uh, he's going to be running his own Butylate Zane at NHRL this weekend. Uh, and he wants to know, flip or dip?
4: I'm going to go with flip. <laughs>
1: that sounds like a, a, an easy choice there. I'll also see you there. <laughs> Oh sweet! You'll you'll be there this weekend. That's right.
4: Yep, I didn't get enough robots in the two and a half weeks I was there at BattleBots. So
1: <laughs> I know, and I know, there are people who also went to um, Robot Ruckus, like the weekend after BattleBots. I don't know if any of those people are coming to NHRL as well, but like, gosh, a lot of a lot of robot stuff going on. <laughs> um, we
4: might have a problem. A lot of events are wrong. I don't want to be right.
1: Exactly. Exactly. All right, we have a another question from Starman ninety two, Poker Pepsi.
4: Um, I only really drink soda, so water.
1: Boring. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, so Matt Lantry has a good meme related question. What do you like the most and dislike the most? Ooh, this is a can of worms <laughs> about the combat robot floor posting group. <laughs> 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 Thank you, Matt. <laughs> oh,
4: gee. Um, I hate that it keeps me up at night wondering what I'm doing with my life. (laughs) Um, but I like how it makes me laugh. Sometimes people come up with a lot of funny jokes and it's, it's, you know, memes are the true gateway to the human experience. So it's funny to see all these creative and wacky ideas people come up with, with the community I
1: love. So this is probably a good time to ask, um, you're running a little competition in that group. Are, are you
4: not? <laughs> that I am. Yep. We're having a contest. We're giving away three Banshee shirts to one, the post uh, that gets the most reactions. And then two and three are just my choice and I get to pick. So
1: and just any robot related meme.
4: Yep. Any 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 meme that would normally fit in floor posting. It doesn't have to be Banshee related. Doesn't have to be about me. Um, I mean people obviously chose to do that anyway, but <laughs> <laughs> uh yep, as long as you put the hashtag in and it's a normal combat robot meme, it will be considered.
1: All right. So everyone, you heard it here. Go uh go get a meme in and maybe you'll get a t-shirt. <laughs>
4: uh yeah, I think the deadline was the tenth at midnight, something like that.
1: All right, so by the time this is oh no, this is uh going out next week. So
4: oh never mind
1: well, well maybe next year
4: <laughs> maybe next year we'll probably do more contests in the future so
1: yeah it's fun I, I like uh, there's been a lot of engagement so that's uh, that's always good to see Um, alright so we have some good questions here from Horizon team member Mary Catherine Carr how close were you to flashing everyone on the windy Vegas days wearing that kilt
4: <laughs> close it definitely happened <laughs> I do not have a lot of experience wearing clothes that is not attached to me like a kilt. (laughs) So yeah, we, we had some super gusty days and I definitely showed people things they probably didn't sign up for.
1: (laughs) Yeah. uh, Wearing a a skirt or a kilt, it's an art form. So uh, you'll get there. Um, can you speak to kilts being banned from season eight because a crush of women rushed the stage thinking they were suddenly on the set of Outlander?
4: Ooh, that happened before I put on the kilt anyway, so probably not.
1: (laughs) Did your memes stay dreams or your dreams stay memes?
4: My dreams became memes. Wholesome. And my memes that were dreams were also memed.
1: (laughs) Inception. Meet Memeception? Um, <laughs> In Memechan? Yeah.
4: <laughs> I don't know.
1: Uh, speaking of, how much of Banshee is powered by memes?
4: A lot. <laughs> There's a lot of goofy and poor decisions inside of that robot.
1: <laughs> Do you see your team as being warriors taking down a Banshee or as bad guys aiding a Banshee? I really like this question.
4: Ooh, we're definitely the good guys we might not fight banshees but we heed their warnings and we encourage others to do also
1: nice I like it uh, and then her last question what helped you get through the most exhausting moments of BattleBots
4: oh gee what's the show rated
1: we are a PG show
4: <laughs> the friends and family that I made in this community <laughs> were always there to pick me up and that is what really keeps you going in hard times.
1: The friends you make along the way. That's right. Beautiful. What, what more could you need? I don't really even know.
4: Definitely not strong liquor. <laughs> 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 but no, honest, I, honestly, the real answer is this is a great community of great people. And when you're struggling or you need help, there's always somebody nearby that is more than eager to help you out and help you get out of it.
1: That is 100% the truth. Um, All right, so we have uh, one last set of questions here from Jackpot Captain Jeff Waters. Uh, How long, David, have you been studying the Blade?
4: (laughs) For all my life, I've been studying the Blade. While you read your books and studied your votes, I mastered its edge. (laughs)
1: I was really hoping you would do that and uh, you did. So, thank you. <laughs> uh, who is the world's best backwards driver?
4: Ooh. That would be Mater from Cars.
1: Ooh. All right. And then <laughs> I've not seen Cars, but I'll take your word for it.
4: Oh, okay. Well, he is. <laughs>
1: uh, and then this is the last question here, and I think it's a good one to end on. Can we hear a banshee scream?
4: Do we want to hear a Banshee scream? <laughs> oh, yeah. Do your levels and editors want to hear a Banshee scream?
1: Nicole, uh, I uh, warn you for what you may hear, uh, but uh, I'm sure, uh, you know, the levels can be adjusted uh, for, for everyone else. But poor Nicole may have to be on the brunt of uh, of hearing this one in its full glory.
4: Can you hear that? Can you hear that whisper in the trees? The cry of the Banshee. I don't think my scream is feminine enough, but that's going to have to do
1: (laughs) well done. Well done, David. Thank you so much for talking with us. This has been a blast. Um, Congratulations on, you know, captaining your own bot. I know everybody is very excited to see how it will do in season seven. Um, and, uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing you in Son of Cram at NHRL this weekend. And, uh, I just thank you so much. This was a delight. You're
4: welcome. And thank you for having me. These are always so fun to do. After the break, we'll return with this week's installment of Robots Around the World.
1: Welcome back from the break. Time for Robots Around the World. This week, we're headed back to Japan, where researchers pose a thought-provoking question. What would it feel like to pet an ant? All right, this is one I, I feel like I can get behind. They've set out to answer this question by building a microscopic robotic hand that you control using a special glove. When you move your hand, the tiny hand moves too. And whatever the tiny hand feels, you'll feel through haptic feedback inside the glove. Using technology to miniaturize your hand will allow people to do new things like pet insects or pick up tiny objects. I think that this one is pretty cute. I also wonder if it ha- would have like applications in surgery or medicine. Like, I don't I don't know. It's cute, though. I want to pet a tiny ant.
2: Yeah. And, and the uncles, too. Yeah, I don't have any tiny ants. They're, <laughs> they're mostly full sized ants. <laughs>
0: It just, you have to use a regular glove. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's for hygiene. Yeah. They spend a lot of time at the casino. So, you know, it's
3: best. (laughs) Oh, Uh. hey guys, do you remember auntie from honey? I shrunk the kids.
2: I literally just watched that movie like a month ago and it holds up. It is. It's still a fantastic movie. I still cried. All right.
3: About Auntie, I know, that's yeah, a, of this whole thing is, is making me think about is, man, that was one of those early childhood uh, sad, sad moments. Yeah, core memory. Core memory unlocked. But yeah, now you can go ahead and pet an aunt for real and become friends, uh, thanks to technology. Yeah, just so we could
0: die of old age five days later.
1: Oh my god. <laughs> oh. Okay. Goodness. My
0: goodness. Uh,
1: they shouldn't have
0: us forming bonds with these tiny little... <laughs>
1: wrong i'm gonna look up what the average lifespan of an ant is
0: it depends on how often they go the buffet
1: (laughs) 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 okay i have something that is actually shocking for you a black garden ant
0: i think it's one to two years right
1: hey you just looked at my screen no i
0: didn't I know everything.
1: I was going to ask everybody to guess, and you just blurted it out. But yeah.
2: I'm going to guess one (laughs) to two
3: years as well. I also think it is one to two years, perhaps.
0: Well, Lindsay, it looks like we are all uh, ant scientists, (laughs) and we know exactly the lifespan of ants. Uh,
1: Yeah, but what about a pharaoh ant? I bet you can't tell me that one, because I moved my screen away.
3: (laughs) No. No, I don't know that uh, one.
1: Oh, oh, oh! Are we all ant scientists now?
3: Uh, it's That's called not... antologist, and no, we're not.
1: <laughs> I would, uh, <laughs> I, I
0: would, I would say that a pharaoh ant um, thinks that it can live ten years, but it's because it's in denial.
1: Oh,
2: wow! Wow! All right! Wow! That had like two different levels yeah that, that was, was good that was yeah that it was, was like
0: it was like a pyramid of of a joke oh dear god well that
1: one was bad <laughs> arrow ants live four to 12 months so much shorter than the garden black
0: mm. well i think that you know it was all the inbreeding <laughs> 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 but what's really funny is they they get buried with their ant dogs and all their ant belongings and um you know all their uh ant uh, help helpers let's call them helpers and that's about it for us today. <laughs> We're going to thank Nicole for editing this week's very strange episode and we'll be back in your feed next week with another mystery guest. We'll see you then, folks.
3: Bye bye bye. bye.